Welcome to Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine. We invite you to join us as we take a deeper look into the stories and ministries highlighted in Christian Living Magazine. Hi, I'm Sandy Jones, and I'd like to welcome you to Christian Living Spotlight, which is a part of the Christian Living Magazine family, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry. This show has been made possible by a generous grant that we receive so that we can come to you each week and take a deeper dive into the stories and ministries you'll find in the pages of Christian Living Magazine. Making his record-breaking sixth appearance, he's laughing, this week is Armory Reserve Chaplain Nate Wheeler, who is joining me in the studio today. And just as a reminder to our listeners, Nate is an Army Reserve Chaplain with the 814th Transportation Battalion in Boise, and his story was one of our featured articles in our November-December 2021 issue. Nate, welcome back, and thank you for joining me again today. Oh, you bet, you bet. It's always fun to be here. A lot of laughs, a lot of jokes, a lot of fun. Everything, so. Yeah, what our listeners don't know is about the hysterical 30 minutes of laughing it's taken us to get through to be able to <laughs> finally say, get this. let's do the show. That's right, calm, calm, deep breaths. Okay, now we go. <laughs> yeah, because we really have a very serious show today. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. You're you're always such a delight, and, you know, but, but I, I did notice as I was working on my notes for today, you know, the last time you were here was right after Veterans Day. Oh, okay. And now we're right after <laughs> Memorial Day. I think I need to get my act together. <laughs> we need to plan these shows a little bit better. Oh, no, everything's great. Everything's great. Seriously, after Memorial Day, was it, 4th of July is in just over two weeks, just under two weeks? Under two weeks now. Yeah. What our listeners may not know is that you and I never have a shortage of things to talk about. Correct, yeah. We, we, have, we met here the first time in the studio, but it was just like, you're like my kid brother. I mean, it's like it was an instant friendship. And we we both have the gift of gab, and we have to be really careful when we get together because it can be a very For long sure. conversation. For sure. Once we get through all the laughing. <laughs> anyway, our, our producer, Andrew, has this joke with us that we need a live radio show, and I keep telling him I'm working on perfecting my on-air laugh. So <clears throat> It would be fun. It would be fun. We'd have to see how what happens with it, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, some, it could be a very long show. It could be. And some of these things are better in concept than in actual happening. So that I, could be true, too. I don't foresee that happening in either one of our schedules. But anyway. Right, exactly. So so let's let's get down to business There here. we go. So two weeks ago, my friend Boyd Chikatula was here. He's also one of the Christian Living Ministries board members, just so for complete transparency. Okay. But he was here. He was, you know, they've moved to Zambia, and he was here visiting, and he will be back several times a year because he sits on other boards, and he still works with ministries here too. So talk about, you know, the blessings of the internet and all the things that we can do anymore these days. But when they first moved to Zambia, he took a six-month sabbatical. So when we became a nonprofit, that's where the Holy Spirit sent me was to talk to Boyd. And my first thought was this has to be, you know, of God because Boyd's the single most busy person I know. Wow. And so, you know, and and fast forward then a few years later, he's on our board. And so so, but so one of the questions that I asked him on the show was, you know, what was it like to go from 9,000 miles an hour to dead stop, you know, to sabbatical? Yeah. That had to be an adjustment. But he was, so the focus of, of our show that week was he wanted to share with our listeners how that time, that six months of sabbatical, gave him a whole new focus for a healthier relationship with, with the Lord. Oh, that's awesome. And it was really great. So. As you and I then were, we have learned to keep our conversation short. We text, <laughs> right, so, right. which is great. Um, <laughs> so as we were as we were planning this week's show, 
And and that's for the benefit of our listeners, really, because you and yeah. I can rabbit trail a hundred different right. ways. Sure. So you brought up a study you've been doing on the Old Testament kings and how their walks with the Lord can easily mimic the, any Christian's walk for sure. today. Yeah. You said something really poignant in that text thread with me, and, and I don't even know if you remember what it was. No, uh, you're gonna no, have to you have to no. share it. No, I don't. Sorry. So I actually typed it into my notes. Oh wow! Because so this is a direct quote. You said, "What do you think about discussing how Christians are susceptible to falling away from Christ the longer we live?" Mm, yeah, and I'm not getting any younger, so I, that really spoke to me. You said I was doing a study on the Old Testament kings and how every good king, yes, even Josiah fell away from God later on in life. And this should be a warning to us that no matter how fervently we serve God, we too can fall away. Yeah. Yes. You know. It was it was an amazing little study and it got it went down a rabbit trail. It was something that I wanted to pick apart several years ago. And I had an opportunity to go speak and I kind of went down this rabbit hole, this what I call the spiritual worm wormhole, and started digging this up taking this apart and I went, oh my word, there's really something that's that's here. So just for the listeners, let me just kind of run through this kind of quickly on the like the history of Israel on on the kings and everything like that. And then just kind of pick these things apart. So please do. We had like so there were forty four kings if you count every single ruler in in Israel and, and and both in the United Monarchy and in the divided kingdom. And there was one queen that's a part of that forty four that ruled during this time. Most people say that there were three under the United Kingdom. That's true, but there was actually one other one, Ashibaseth, who's technically ruled for two years in Israel and then was assassinated by his own guard, and then the kingdom united under David. So if we count him, and then there's also another one there called Tibni, who ruled in Israel when after it was split. A lot of people don't count that one, but he was there where Israel, the northern kingdom, was actually divided um, between two different rulers for about four to five years. So if you count all those up, you have 44 monarchical rulers, and only... Eight of them were called good. Wow. Only eight. And all eight were only found in Judah, which was the southern kingdom, or um, David in the, United, in, in the United Kingdom. So we all know about David's affair with Bathsheba, and then he ordered that Uriah the Hittite go ahead and be killed in battle. So here David's serving the Lord, right? He's the gold standard for all kings, and then this is how he acts out later in life. Solomon actually established Molech worship in what was later known as the Garden of Gethsemane. And I only bring him up, but the Bible calls him an evil king. Mm -hmm. So most of the time we look at him as a good king because of the building campaigns that he did and the wealth that he accumulated and the wisdom that he had. But just because you have big bank accounts, good build, a lot of building going on and have good wisdom doesn't mean that you're a good godly ruler. And that's what we see with Solomon. And then when after the kingdom split, here's what we see over in Judah in the southern kingdom. We had Asa, who was a really good, who was called a good king, who then partnered with a foreign nation called Aram. And he and a prophet came to him and said, knock it off. And he said, you know what, you go to jail. And then he actually got upset enough to where he actually started hurting his old people. Then we have Joash, who was a really good king, but the but Second Kings tells us that Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all those days because Joadiah, the priest, instructed him. But after he died, Joash started to turn and went away. And some of you guys might remember the statement in Matthew 23, where Jesus says, this generation will be held accountable from the blood of Abel to Zechariah. It was Joash, a good king, who killed him later in life when Joash turned to him and said, you guys need to repent. Then all of a sudden you have Amaziah, who was a good king, but after he went off to Edom and conquered him with the Lord's help, he stole some other gods and then came back to his own house and started worshiping the Edomite gods. Uzziah, remember Isaiah was there with the king um, in, in, in Isaiah chapter 7? 
where he gets his calling. Well, Uzziah was a good king, but one time he decided that he wanted to go offer up his own incense into the temple. The priest came to him and confronted him, and the only thing that we hear is that he turned to him and got angry with the confrontation. Leprosy broke out on him, rushed him out of the, the temple. He never went back in the temple service, and that was it with his, with his ruling there in, in Jerusalem. And then Jotham, He's the only one that is nothing bad ever said about him. And we don't hear about him much because there wasn't a lot that was done. But both in the Kings and the Chronicles, nothing's bad said. Hezekiah. Hezekiah is probably the second best king out of all of them. But he all of a sudden became a little bit arrogant and also just really didn't care what other what he was doing to future generations. So Hezekiah went ahead and showed off all this, the storage of gold and everything to the Babylonians and and um, was confronted by a prophet and said, what in the world are you thinking and paraphrased, and he goes, well, I was just showing them off all the riches, and the prophet turns to him and says, well, because of that, they're going to come back and take everything, and Hezekiah goes, well, it's because it's the Lord's will, and it's because, and the scriptures say it's because at least he, he was glad that it didn't happen in his lifetime. He didn't care what he was doing to other generations. Yeah. He just cared about himself. And then you also got uh, Josiah, who did some great reforms and everything like that, great grandson of Hezekiah, but he started to become arrogant because of all the great things that were going on with him and went up to war with King Necho, in Egypt, and he got he died by an arrow shot, and that was it. And so, if we go through this whole list of all these kinds of ways in which these good kings, these eight good kings in all of Israel's history, these are the ways that they fell through sexual morality, murder, idolatry, not trusting God, becoming arrogant, imprisoning a prophet, killing a prophet, didn't care about the future of what they were causing within their leadership and within the other generations attacked their own people, and then became very angry when confronted about their own sinful lifestyle. So out of all of these 44 kings, there's only two that ever repented. It was David and Manasseh were the only two that ever repented. Why? Because the only people that ever repent are ones that are chasing after God's own heart or they've hit rock bottom. Everybody else just kind of justifies what they're doing. And it was just a really surprising dive into understanding that aspect. And then the application to me was, you know, Nate, the longer that you serve God, there's a higher chance that you're going to start to make Christian service more about you than them. You're going to start, you're going to stop washing feet and start telling other people to do it. You're going to start caring more about your kingdom and forgetting that it's actually God's kingdom. You're going to want to usurp the authority and say that things got to be my way than not. And you can't distinguish pretty soon between God's way and your way and his thoughts and your thoughts. And when that happens, you know, you no longer need to pray to God because you become him. Yep. So, it was just a really big eye opener. And then also application wise, just, you know, here I've been, you and I are churchgoers. We're involved in, in the church community just to realize that, hey, if this happened with some of the best leaders in Israel's history, that could be happening here in the Treasure Valley, in the Magic Valley, in Idaho, in the Northwest, in the West, that we're, we are all successible to this pivot that all of a sudden cares less about God's involvement in our quote-unquote kingdom work than it is about actually serving him. And we just always need to be willing to be held accountable, to be corrected, to when, when confronted, to say, you know what, you're right, I need to. Just like David and just like Manasseh, to be able to repent and go, I was wrong, you're right, thanks for holding me accountable. And own it. And own it, you have and, to own it. And own it, and own it. You know, the enemy... And and this is this is one of his great tricks is you For deserve sure. you deserve For you know sure. he 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 tempted Jesus 
if you are indeed the son of God, yeah, call down angels, you know, and, yeah, you know, when he's out fasting for forty days, you know, well, if you indeed are the son of God, and and Jesus, Jesus is God, so you know, we he didn't fall to that prey, but sure. as weak humans, you hear that over and over and over enough times. Well, yeah, I'm doing all this work. I, I you're right. I, I I deserve a little, you know. Yeah, and that's not what it is. Yeah, no, I mean, when you realize that you've died to yourself, what can anybody take from you, right? And when you've died to yourself and you're really truly serving God, you you just start to look at your gifts more differently. You just start looking at them differently. You realize that it's not really me doing these things, it's God doing them through me. And so for me to hold on to something and all of a sudden take ownership of some blessing that God's doing through me is 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 twisting it. It's twisting, it's trying to it's trying to steal God's great gifts and blessings that he's given. To you, and then to say, "Hey, look at what I've, I'm doing," and therefore I am entitled to some sort of special kind of treatment or whatever. And that's why I think Jesus said very specifically, "Those who are first in my kingdom are the servants of all." Yep. And when his disciples were bantering over who gets to sit on right and left and everything, right, and then all of a sudden he goes, "No, no, no! The way that works in my kingdom, my economics is that you wash feet, you get down, you care for people, you serve them, and that's how you get to the right and left." Yeah. Not by by doing these great things or being as the Gentiles fight over these types of things, right? Well, and and the world doesn't see that. It doesn't make sense to the world for sure. It really doesn't. You know, I I and I know you get the same thing. I can't right. speak for your experiences, <laughs> so I'm not bragging. I'm just you know, it's it's what I know because it's my experience. But you know, I've had people come to me and say, "Well, why do you help such and such so much, or why are you so tolerant of you know this one called to do?" Right. Get it. The world doesn't get it. Right. You know. So one of the questions I asked you was as in this text thread that we had, this great text thread, <laughs> you know. I don't know what my husband was watching on television, but it must have been really captivating because I kept texting you back. Um, you know, but was you know, did did they get complacent? And and I oh, and, yeah. and my, my point with that is that sometimes our Christian walk becomes so rote in our life. It's just what how we live, it's just who we are. Right. That I think that sometimes it becomes too casual, and then we don't protect it. Yeah, you know? yeah. I I really like what it said here about Joash. This was something that really kind of struck me when I was going through it. Right, Second uh, Kings twelve two says that Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all his days because Joadiah the priest instructed him. And then it says that after Joadiah died, he turned away from God, and God sent prophets among him to bring him back, but he didn't care. Yeah, about it. And so I take a look at it that that it is a part of that some of us need somebody in our life that keeps us on that straight and narrow. I think we all need accountability we partners. We really do. And and not just one. We do. Because you can wear that one down. You can. And sometimes they can be fooled. You need to have a circle of influence that can hold you and you're and you welcome it. You do. You know, being being reprimanded, being held accountable is sometimes uncomfortable. But I think we need that. I know I need it. I, you know, yeah. I have. You are among that circle. You know, yeah. I, I have kind of a larger circle, but you know, but you are among that circle. Is hey, man, if I step out, I I need somebody to wrap wrap my head and go, hey, lady, wake up. Yeah, you know. And so I I think we do need that, and I think leaders need to have that circle. Yeah, for sure. That can hold them accountable, reprimand them. You know, however you. However that is, right? However that's done. Yeah. Right. And so... I, I, Yeah, and I'm with you on that. I think that also part of it is that when you just get in a position and you're so used to 
to you know leading whether it be like me as a chaplain and something or there's churches that I I speak at and stuff and yeah. get invited back and things like that. pretty soon you can start to think of it how does it benefit me mm-hmm. and when that switch starts to happen look look at how I can take advantage of this or how can this fill a need in my side or what what can I do you know what if I did these types of things I could gain here yeah when those are kinds of the thoughts that start to come and they come out in different ways too we typically start going well these are just strategic partnerships or these are just ways in order to help out with sustainability or these are ways in order to have a greater impact and influence um, or these are ways in order to help out and it, and then you start to you have to sit back and go well who's really benefiting from all of these adjustments and changes is it really the body? Are you are you really like are you seriously like training up more preachers in your church? Yeah. Are you really training up like seriously like more volunteers that are really invested in these spiritual gifts that God's given to the church body to take care of it? You know, are they are they really involved or does it just seem to go back always funneling back to one, two, three people within it? You know, that's that's where kind of that aspect's at. And I think that's where we need to take a look and go. The servant's number one in God's kingdom. And so just instead of putting structures together, and that's what I see kind of what happened with some of these kings, they just started looking at the system itself as just kind of, yeah, it's there for me. Well, it's there for me. It's there for me. And, and, and oh, you know, I've done all of this for these people, or I have sacrificed. Because leadership has sacrifice. All the you time. Know, oh, I sacrificed all this, and I deserve this. Yeah. You know? And that's not it. You not know? at all. In in my role in in this ministry, I have to often because the enemy knows my Achilles heel. Yeah. And I have to remind myself frequently, who are we edifying here? Yeah. Is this eternity based for somebody else? Because I, you know, I'm pretty secure in mine. But you know, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, that's not the purpose of this ministry. It's not to secure my my salvation. Right. It's it's to to continue with an eternal focus for how many how many other souls can we impact? For sure. So, you know, the enemy wants to distract me too. I, I can identify with some, and I'm not a king, you know, <laughs> but it's like, okay, wait a minute, Sandy. Who are we edifying here? Right. This, this isn't to edify Sandy. This is to edify God. No, that's exactly it. And that's where there is a change on those kinds of things. And it can happen at such a small level from greeters to parking lot people, to, you know, in, in, in ministries to to lead pastors, to boards, to, you know, denominational authorities, things like this. It can be, it's at every level. And it can be even to your grocery clerk. It can be to your home, you know, all these kinds of things, to relationships, to kids' games, all these kinds of things. But spirit, you know, specific application here to the spiritual world, you know, in the in the Christian world, to really take a look at us as as Christians and as church leaders and to realize it's not about what I gain from this. It's what I give to this. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's a gift for over and over and over. There's none of these thoughts that should say, well, you don't know what I've done. You have no idea what I've sacrificed. Those, when those thoughts start coming through the head, I just really hope that they also hear the whisper of when Jesus says, and you don't either. Yeah, absolutely, because salvation was free. Yep. You know, in cells, we have this saying, free has no value. Yeah, yeah. But as a Christian, I have to stop and remind myself, salvation was free. Yeah. Christ paid that cost for me. Right. Salvation was free. So free has a great value. Free has a great value for you and me, but it cost, you know, enormous yeah. amount what was needed. So it was I, crazy. This may sound like a little bit of a rabbit trail, but it's kind of it. it's kind of spun me here. So our small group just finished um a couple of weeks ago. We just finished Francis Chan's Jesus' final farewell. Oh, okay. And and he closes the last session with Jesus' final prayer for his disciple and disciples. And us was for unity. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. That they might be in me as I am in you. Basically saying, and I'm paraphrasing here now, that our unity as the body of Christ would live his message for all the world to see. That's at all levels. That's from for the, sure. the that's from the servant to, you know, every level up to the king. Right. We are called to unity. Yes, we are. You know, and that's harder and harder to do in this day and age. Right. Every form of media seems to be rooting for the divide, whether it's spiritually, politically, yeah. a hundred different other ways. Yeah. You know, but fellow listeners, we're called by Christ himself to unity. Yeah. To love. Just because we disagree with someone doesn't mean we hate them. Right. We can disagree respectfully. I disagreed with somebody earlier this week on social media. If you're listening, I still love you. But you know, and they private messaged me and they said, I hope you don't unfriend me. And I said, hey, I, I still love you. <laughs> right. It has right. nothing to do with whether or not, this is a minor thing. Right. This, this is not a big thing, you know. And we were respectful about it, but I was just like, we have to be able to disagree and still love one another. Yeah, we do. I mean, you, when we start to create all this division over it, it's really just trying to create clicks, and we're trying to gather around clicks rather than the cross. And when we start creating division, it's typically around personalities and people. Yeah. And this was exactly what Paul warned against in in First Corinthians was was how we should not have these, you know, followings after personalities. Some of you follow Paul. Some of you follow, you know, Peter. Some of you follow me. Some of you say, "Oh, guess what? I trump you all. I follow Jesus." He's like, "None of us humans died for you." unite around christ absolutely and so when i see like in the church you know i've said stuff on social media too that were that's gained quite a bunch of uh noise on it for sure and unfortunately what ended up happening um with some of those church leaders was that they created a division over it yeah and it was like there was nothing heresy there's nothing bad there's nothing wrong but it was just something they disagreed with and so their natural instinct was we're going to divide and and circle up around ourselves and for protection. And so that just wasn't, a, that wasn't a healthy response. That wasn't a biblical response. It wasn't a godly response. Yeah. But it happens to all of us and we're susceptible to that. Well, pastors, and, and I love my pastor friends, you know, you and I are both I chaplains. Do too. Yeah. And I love my pastor friends, but it is not hardwired in them for conflict. Pastors run from conflict, yeah. most of them. Very yeah. few of them will, and so if there's a, a big enough disagreement, instead of working through conflict resolution. Yeah they they kind of flee from it and i get that because sometimes if you don't handle it right it becomes an even bigger divisive thing and i totally get mm -hmm. that i'm seeing a lot of churches movements denominations not local churches but i'm seeing a lot of uh, movements and denominations going through some really big things right now yes yeah you know? there is and so there it's it's hard and it takes a really strong leader to be able to stay focused on the word of god the love of god and the unity of god and to try yeah. to keep that in their, in their perspective groups. We are running out of time, buddy. So, <laughs> Nate, if any of our listeners would like to connect with you for some reason, how can they reach you? They can reach out to me at nate at natewheeler.com. That's an email address. That one's not going away anytime soon. So that's probably the best way. That's, that's awesome. If you'd like to learn more about Nate's story, you can still read it on our website, christianlivingmag.com. Under the Past Issues tab, scroll down to November, December 2021. Nate... 
It's been a pleasure. It's <laughs> been fun so again. Much fun. It's been fun. Thank you for joining me today and, and sharing a little bit more. This was a great deep dive. I loved it. Thank um, you so much for the opportunity. And speaking of our listeners, folks, remember that Christian Living Spotlight is now also a podcast and available on most of the larger scre- streaming platforms. Be sure to follow us so you don't miss a single episode. This does bring our time to an end for this week. We invite you back next week when we have another special guest in store for you, someone who will encourage you with hope and inspiration. Until next time, God bless. This has been Christian Living Spotlight, an extension of Christian Living Magazine, where it's our desire to deliver faith, hope, encouragement, and perhaps a new perspective about God's love to our listeners and readers as we showcase the hands and feet of Christ at work in our community and beyond. For more information on today's program, the magazine itself, or to subscribe, go to www.christianlivingmag.com or search Christian Living Magazine on Facebook for an uplifting start to each day. Christian Living Magazine is free to pick up in over 600 locations throughout Central and all of Southern Idaho. Our mailing address is Christian Living Magazine, P.O. Box 867, Meridian, Idaho, 83680. Or you can email us at christianlivingmag at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week.